Apparently, Colin Kaepernick is a communist. So hello and welcome to the new season of All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views and overreactions for all things NFL. Uh, this week we're going to look at a wrap-up of the preseason and start looking forward to real football happening in just about six days. Woo! Alright, so how are you getting on? Connor here, we've got Harry. Hey. And we've got Ronan. Hello. We've also in the background got Sean. Hello. Sean's going to uh, hop in and join us at the tail end for picking the games. Uh, he feels he feels he hasn't watched enough football to talk about the preseason. He doesn't realise none of us have watched the preseason. <laughs> Apart from Harry stayed up to watch the Thursday night game and uh, was then half dead in work on Friday. Yeah, uh, I wanted to see Tom Brady and uh, it wasn't worth it. <laughs> at all. Oh, well, sure isn't that always the way. <laughs> <laughs> Against the Giants, yeah, it is always uh, the way. Yeah. So, any scandal with yourselves, boys? No, not too much. You know yourself. We were at the uh, Boston College Georgia Tech game in the Aviva uh, yesterday, and then while well, we were drinking solidly from what ten a.m. until yeah, until like one in the morning, yeah, two in the so morning. In grand uh, tradition, you know, we're continuing where we left off last season, and that we're all dead. Yeah, we're all a little bit dying here. It's a husky voice podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's good. People like that, you know. It's sexy. Mm, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> nothing sexier than someone who stinks a beer. <laughs> what about yourself, Fitz? How's life down in Cork? Grand, yeah. Oh, Cork. sorry. Yes, we've also we've got we've got Ronan in house here as well because he was up at the game uh, yesterday. And it was a good game, exciting, sloppy but exciting. Good uh, finish at the end there. Yeah, exciting end. I think Boston College deserved to win it, but uh, but they decided, as you said, went to prevent defense and fuck themselves. Yeah, like mystifying. Uh, like, oh yeah, let's just rush three for the final drive for the whole time after we've been making the quarterback run for his life all game. Questionable coaching, but that's that's college football. That is, yeah, and it's also like it's their first game, and I'm sure they're just trying to. Bed in some new players and stuff, but no, it was, uh, it was very enjoyable. And I got myself a Boston College scarf. Uh, not so much about the team, more about the colours looked quite nice. Uh, it was a fashion choice rather than a sports choice, but uh, I did like them. Like we said, hired in defence, fuck all offence. It reminds me of why I got into the Chiefs. Um, but yeah, so I suppose we've got a lot of bits to get through. Uh, so we're going to do some news uh, and we're going to fold some of the news into the camp review for a few of the teams who have particularly notable camps. Uh, Largish bits of news that are uh, happening at the moment. Uh, apparently, Colin Kaepernick is a communist, uh, hates America, and wants to murder veterans. Uh, discuss. No, it's the Black Panther. <laughs> <laughs> is, he, is he in the new film? <laughs> well, for anyone who doesn't know, the background obviously is that Colin Kaepernick chose to sit during the national anthem in the first preseason game that he was available, which was preseason game three. This led to a large furore because he came out afterwards and said that there had been an actual protest against racism, uh, shootings against black people in America. Obviously, it's been a major news item for two or three years now at this point, and uh, Colin Kaepernick decided to make a, a pretty big statement. Uh, there was a development during the week, a lot of debate, a lot of shouting, a lot of interesting things said by him by anonymous NFL executives <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, wasn't one, one of the executives came out and said if my team drafted him I would quit or didn't draft like, like picked him up and put yeah. him on this roster at least some of the highlights were you know also you know, I'd rather have someone accused of or not accused found guilty of sexual assault on my team or at least I see this as roughly equivalent in moral standing uh, so specifically Ray Caruth Ray Caruth yeah. which is pretty out there as a comparison yeah. point 
But, like, this is, like, you know, talk show radio in America. It's, it's crazy, of course. Um, what happened during the week is that there was a slight modification. So, in games in preseason game four, he take, took a knee during the national anthem instead, uh, based, I believe, on the kind of advice mm-hmm. of Nate Boyer, who's the former, uh, like, a former Seahawks triad at long snapper. Mm-hmm. Long snappers changing the world, you know? <laughs> um, but... In the preseason game, Eric Reed also joined him from San Francisco, and then uh, a Seahawks corner, uh, Jeremy Lane, uh, did the sit down thing, presumably because he wasn't made aware that Colin Kaepernick had changed. Him <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know, just when I got into Tebowing, it's like they took uh, the <laughs> So I suppose Colin Kaepernick not standing up for what he believes in—is uh, it something you support, Harry? Yeah, look, I mean, this is this is the interesting about what Phil's mentioned about Nate Boyer, who it's important to mention is a former Green Beret, so is, is a military veteran. Um, the whole point he made in the open letter he wrote to Kaepernick was about trying to understand why this is happening and why you're doing this. But at no point, it's interesting from that perspective of a former player and a former veteran, that at no point did he say that Kaepernick should not do what he's doing. Because at the end of the day, if you, you want to talk about America and you want to talk about freedom and all this stuff, like it, part of this is part and parcel of that. It's the freedom to do things like this. And if this is what Kaepernick believes, then yeah, I think he's absolutely right to do it. And people have a right to disagree with him about it but I think people saying that he doesn't have a right to protest has been extremely worrying and then the hyperbole that Ronan mentioned surrounding it as painting him as some kind of enormous traitor in all of this is, is totally unreasonable and at the end of the day we've all seen from Kaepernick he's, he's put his as they say money where his mouth is quite literally coming out and saying I'm going to give literally a million dollars to charities to help disadvantaged communities to help disenfranchise people this is clearly something he genuinely cares about and genuinely feels about and taking a knee during the anthem was actually a very effective way to get his message across and to get this noticed and to give him that space to talk about these things. And, you know, I think there's value when somebody like that is able to stand up and somebody who has that platform is able to stand up and say, hey, I'm not a voiceless person, but I can see things happening to voiceless people who I feel affinity with, who I feel are from the same group of people as me, and I want to do something to draw attention to their situation and to ultimately, like, take actual action to make their situation better. And I think he's expressed himself very well throughout the whole thing. And it is just quite concerning to see the media reaction of denial and attack surrounding this for even trying to bring that up. Oh, yeah. Well, time. you know, the whole context in America right now with the presidential election is obviously that... Like, it, like, presumably that is part of the reason why he's doing it, is that whole context. Mm. Like, Trump, tr- Trump came out and told him to find a different country, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, basically. Uh, but yeah, so best of luck to you, Colin. Hope it all works out. As long as I stop talking about his socks. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. The the police socks for. Cr- and then the, the the local police came out and said that if they don't sort out the Colin Kaepernick situation, they might stop uh, providing security and stuff to games. Like fuck off. I don't think they could even do that. Yeah. No, just well, like, just fuck off. Like, there was yeah. similar stuff happening. I believe when the Rams had yeah. a similar kind of protest. So speaking of the preseason, there's been talk now about whether or not it's useful and whether or not they need to change the way it's done. Uh, Harbaugh in particular came out and was discussing this uh, about whether or not they they see value in it and stuff and whether or not possibly it should be moved to more of a development league type thing, allow other players. And we were discussing it last night after a couple of pints and decided that the best one would be to just hold bowls for different people. So like undrafted free agent bowl and stuff, which I think would be definitely more entertaining. Mm. Um, like what's your take? Like, do you guys see value in the preseason anymore? Well, I think the value, like ultimately, you know, for as a fan, it's not fun, particularly. But I can understand from why, from a coaching perspective, why it's extremely important to see players in 
are live game situations that you don't get during scrimmages and you don't get during drills or even during joint practices. Yeah. And the one thing I think that's very important for the preseason is it does people do genuinely make the roster off preseason that wouldn't otherwise. Mm. And I think it's very important that they have that opportunity. There are perhaps changes to the format that could be made, like shortening it, for example. Like the fourth game is just pointless. Pretty much everyone who plays in the fourth game, no matter how well they play, uh, does end up getting cut. I think the, the Washington running back being case in point. Uh, over the last week, had an insane game in the fourth preseason. Yeah, like 130 yards, two touchdowns, yeah. something. Then so, like, just just cut. So, <laughs> so I think there's certainly more more they could do with it, but I think retaining some element of what they have at the moment is important because it does serve an important mm. p- uh, purpose for players to prove themselves and for coaches to evaluate players in a way they wouldn't otherwise. But say if you shortened it to three or two games and had the potential to do th- interesting things like having that kind of uh, a, a, a bowl for players who weren't drafted to see if people could evaluate them. Um, there's certainly, I think, potential to change it, but I think it has to retain some of the core element because as much as it's not a spectacle for the fans, it does actually serve a very important purpose for the teams. Yeah, but I think like you could argue almost that like the fact that people can get in on preseason alone kind of speaks to how inefficient it is. Like so if you think about like soccer football over here, you have all these lower divisions, you have these development squads, you have all these things and there's continuous football happening all the time. But in American football it's really the NFL and then maybe like the CFL and maybe like the Arena Football League. But other than that, the teams have a very tight control of it and the amount of practice that they get to do is so much tightly controlled under the new CBA. So in reality, if they were to move to something that was more thorough, like a development league, like a spring league, then the chances that relying on a sample size of four games in which it doesn't really matter would be, you know, would, wouldn't be necessary. Those changes would be less likely to happen and we'd have a better idea. Well, coaches would have a better idea of how good these players actually are in some yeah. real situation. It, it makes sense from a commercial point of view because there is a giant gap in the NFL like uh, calendar which they could probably fill yeah. with something and make money. The dead the zone. Yeah, and I think... Even the six weeks between... They have the six weeks of no training camps and everything as well where there's literally no news at yeah. all. and I think like it's not going to be a case that like the average like normal fan is going to be like, oh, watching Development League. But like there's obviously a very hard, like large amount of hardcore followers of NFL who would love to have more content or more games to watch at that point. Of course, legitimately, just look at the viewership figures for fucking preseason games. Like They yeah. are useless, but they still get a couple of million people watching them. Like So I think having like, something which is more thorough than just four games and like a fairly limited camp might make more sense. And maybe even pulling it away from teams and just making it into a genuine, like almost separate uh, division or type of uh, competition so would be interesting. Like baseball do with the minors. So yeah. you have the teams sort of sponsor and own yeah. developmental teams. Yeah. That would certainly be an interesting interesting thing to do. Yeah, I mean, also it's more of a longer term product, kind of do it after the draft, kind of running through to... Uh, camp it would require some changes to the CBA particularly in terms of contract negotiations for rookies like take a guy in the 7th mm. round where does he go does he go to the development thing so that is, isn't something that wouldn't, would happen until the next round of CBA negotiations but I think that's definitely an interesting interesting perspective I think could definitely benefit uh, benefit the players yeah I'd say it is It is a spot where there's a lot of potential but it's it's going to be a much longer process and I think a lot of media outlets are giving it uh, giving it uh, time for because it's it's one where like you say there's going to have to be contract negotiations there'll have to be systems drawn up for when they can play who gets to play where and even things like limitations of in the same way that you're limited to how many times you can put a player on the practice squad type thing of like just stashing players away uh, and then even yeah. even something simple like they need to completely revamp what they classify under the salary cap to be able to have these kind of developmental leagues but I think it is an interesting idea I think it would have more value than the current pre-system setup, uh, pre-season setup does but uh, I think it's further down the line than Harbaugh 
I've always been yeah. suggesting. Like, there will be changes, but not that dramatic, but maybe five years from now. Uh, the only other news bits we're going to cover as well is just uh, they've announced that the draft is going to be held in Philly. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so if we thought if we thought the, the crowds could get more aggressive than the Chicago crowds have been to them of late, uh, it, they can. Uh, they'll have to put up screens to stop the batteries being thrown. <laughs> uh, hilariously, Philadelphia were not meant to have a uh, first-round pick in this draft. Uh, that's changed, but we will be discussing that later on. Uh, anything on the draft moving, guys? Anything you, you feel about it? I don't care. I think it will be funny having it in Philly because if they thought New York was bad, this is going to be worse. Yeah. But for the most part, it's like, yeah, cool. Yeah, we'll take the draft round. Let other cities pay vast amounts to the NFL to host their little whatever. Yeah. I mean, that's the main thing. Is like it continues to show the NFL's infinite capacity to monetize anything. <laughs> Tradition. That's for fools. So <laughs> let's bring it to Philly. I assume they've got a pretty nice venue for free or just paying them to actually have a nice venue so that's you know, it yeah well done NFL accountants uh, <laughs> solid job solid job so we're going to hop on now to looking at how the preseason went for some of these teams so we're going to look at a couple of camps in particular in depth and then we're going to bounce around this you know so I suppose good, good camps first uh, it's kind of said Tennessee had a pretty decent looking camp uh but they haven't got any major injuries coming out of it. Uh, their rookies are looking pretty good. Uh, you've got a massive hard-on for their wide receiver, Harry uh, Tajay Sharp. He's he's your boy. You've got him in every fantasy league, and you won't shut the fuck up he's about him. my new Freddie Morris, like. <laughs> How's Freddie Morris getting on these days? <laughs> got the number two spot mm. in Dallas, so you know, yeah. one injury away from starting. Uh, or... or one one recovery away from third slot because I'll put McFadden in over him again. <laughs> yeah, Darren, I broke my elbow dropping my iPhone. McFadden. Yeah, that was amazing. Um, but yeah, Tennessee's camp looked pretty good. The running back looks pretty decent there. Uh, like you said, the wide receivers look good. Uh, the young quarterbacks developing. Like, what are your thoughts on them? Yeah, it's actually quite impressive so far because we, we made fun of exotic Smash Mouth and all this nonsense. I still don't know what exotic Smash Mouth means, but seems to gain a few yards when they do that mm. like they do seem to have a, a, an interesting stable of running backs they actually looks like from the preseason of what we're hearing from camp they've actually got a game plan together based around that having guys who can run the ball well uh, and it's basically set up the rest of the game it looks mm. like it's like given all the, the grief again we gave the head coach for being unimaginative it looks like here's a breakdown to fundamentals be like what can this team be good at at the basic level you've got a quarterback who can run you've got uh, DeMarco Murray who can be very good and has been in the past and may be able to recapture that form if he's in the right kind of scheme we've got Derek Henry who's looked extremely promising in the preseason and again good things coming out of camp and Antonio Andrews is kind of a change of pace guy if your change of pace is significantly slower but <laughs> <laughs> he's a big sort of bruiser yeah. guy for short yardage <laughs> if you feel you're stuff. moving too quickly <laughs> yeah. he's a change of pace Clock, back. control is important right <laughs> yeah, you should know that as a Kansas City fan oh yeah, yeah. Um, but well, no, no, no. We, we, we like to believe it's completely irrelevant. <laughs> uh, that's how we square away having Andy Reid as our head coach. But yeah, they're, they're, it's, it's looking good. Like, Mariota looks like he's, he's healthy again and looks like he's progressing uh, as they're hoping he does. Again, in, in Tajay Sharp, they have a new weapon at wide receiver who looks extremely promising. Rashard Matthews looks to be betting in reasonably well. Uh, Andre Johnson has made the team, so he's clearly got something left in the tank. And, of course, Delaney Walker is Delaney Walker. The O-line does look better, which is a big issue for them last season now. Again, we'll see how that happens when the actual action starts but it looks promising there are still problems on the defence that we knew were going to exist particularly on the backfield but the pass rush again looks decent guys like like Jarrell Casey and Avery Williamson playing quite well so for Tennessee this is this is forward progress this is where I think they wanted to be and realistically where I think they it's probably about as good as they could be yes there are still going to be issues but those are things this is a rebuild mm-hmm. we know that this isn't a team in win now mode 
So yes, there are issues, but those are things they're going to have to look to fix in the future. But right now, I think their cap situation is about as good as they could have hoped for. Yeah, yeah like the only the only major one that I can think of has happened is they decided they're going to give up the give up on the project that's Doyle Green Beckham and trade him to Philly. Uh, Philly seems to be picking up a lot of uh, interesting potential <laughs> problems. <laughs> <laughs> well, they got rid of one, but we'll, we'll talk about yeah. this. Like, yeah, I think Eddie Carey pretty much covers all of it there, and I think like if you're trying to reinvigorate a franchise getting an offense that's actually exciting that makes you relevant in the media and makes you relevant to the fans is a good way of doing that like I think like defense wins championships is something true but if you're moving from such a low point establishing that you actually have defense makes you relevant yeah but offense sells seats so Mm. and that's what Tennessee right now like Tennessee has been such a bad funk for so many years at this point they just need to have some kind of issue of kind of creating hope and creating hype around the team Mm. and I think like DGB um, the trader of Dory Green Beckham kind of illustrates that there's also a change in philosophy from the front front office like not only that they like cut players like David Cobb and Dexter McCluster and all like a lot of there was a lot of chaff there um, that they wanted to get rid of because they've re-established like we have a lot of young players we traded for obviously uh, Dwarka Murray on top of that Mm -hmm. but this is our new team it's exciting it's new you can get behind this team you don't have to worry about all these failed experiments that's all gone now I think they've done an effective clean up job in doing that I think because the the defence you know like no one really knew anyone in the defence anyway so Mm -hmm. they don't have to worry about that so I think it's it's, it's about it's about progress, and I think for them, if they could finish seven and nine, they would probably be delighted with that. So you know, the yeah. expectations are low. So I think there's, from that perspective, good camp for them. Yeah. Now here is a monumental moment uh, in the good section are the Cleveland Browns. Uh, enjoy it, lads. It'll be the only time this season you'll be turning up in this part. Uh, Cleveland have had a relatively good uh, preseason as well. Uh, RG3 seems to be sitting in there and working in the offense quite well. Uh, Josh Gordon looks as good as he was, uh, which is remarkable given that he hasn't played a snap in nearly two years. Uh, they've got, you know, uh, obviously there's a lot of hype going into this preseason with their acquisition of the coaches. They got the most sought after candidate. People were still thinking, though, it's Cleveland, it's a hot mess. They're starting to believe a bit, probably because of the Cavs stuff, but. It is something that we haven't really seen bad stuff coming out of them for the cap. No major injuries, no massive issues, decent-looking offense, okay-looking defense, which is probably more than they can expect. I'll go to you first on this one, uh, Ronan. Why yeah. do you love the Cleveland Browns? I think like like it's it's similar. Like it's easier to have a good camp when expectations are low. Is obviously something that's true. Like for me, like the Cleveland change right now, like it's somewhat reminiscent of when Pete Carroll came to Seahawks, where it was like just. Quickly as possible, clear house and just like have a new identity. I think in Hugh Jackson, I think we all agree that Hugh Jackson looks like it has always seemed like a good head coach and someone who can inspire a team. So I think from that perspective, what they just need to do was have a nice clean camp or on preseason. No one get no major injuries, and then some of these pieces come back. So like even something like Josh Gordon coming back, they weren't expecting that. I don't think anyone's really expecting mm. that. Four game suspension, of course, but that's. Pretty good considering it's where much, he was. Much, much, much better ago. than just out of the league. <laughs> yeah, and the fact that he came back and actually looked good is kind of something which I don't think anyone was expecting. So there's just like mm. there's enough signs of hope with this Cleveland team that they can effectively come out of this camp with a sense that there's something to move on. And it's the same situation that they don't need to even have a winning record. I think if they win like seven games, like even six games, maybe like with the amount of young players that they have on that squad now, they kept their entire like draft class 
of 14 players. That's a completely new team with completely new players with a completely new identity. So you have that opportunity where they might actually give you some space and some time to do that. There hasn't been some short-term fix, free agents and all that kind of stuff. This is building mm-hmm. from the draft. You have that time. And because they've established some hope, RG3 didn't suck complete balls. Josh Gordon looked good. Even Terrell Pryor looked like he could yeah. catch a ball. Uh, a deep ball I think that's the kind of camp that you want just to get momentum I don't think anyone's expecting to win the Super Bowl but I think from their perspective good camp clean and uh, enough hope to to push them forward anything you want to add? yeah I think Ronan's pretty much nailed on that one it is in in a similar way to Tennessee keeping it quiet getting a clean slate getting rid of sort of um, failed projects like Justin Gilbert uh, who was traded to Pittsburgh or uh, Paul Kruger who was an expensive acquisition a few years Mm -hmm. ago who never never panned out and just being like right he's going to join and continue the mediocrity of that Saints defense <laughs> yeah well exactly. but it's like look these things haven't worked we're just going to say we're going to cut our losses we're going to move on and, but at the same time they're being smart it's like okay Terrell Pryor well that's a project that does look like it's coming to fruition now so we're going to give him a chance we're going to integrate him into the offense and like I said there's a lot of new pieces it's a fresh start not just them but I think a fresh start for a lot of players as well like RG3 mm. like Josh Gordon these are guys who need a blank slate to work off who need something to show that they can be more than what's happened to them in the past so I think that's a good spot for them and I think if you can get the whole team behind that mentality and I think Hugh is the kind of guy knowing that he's like a player's coach or whatever and a whisper and all this stuff I think he's the kind of guy who can instill that feeling and I think you look also with the changes of management it goes the whole way through that organisation so yes you've made fun of Cleveland for sort of flapping around a lot earlier but it looks like on the field now there's a chance of that actually paying off and a lot of that is going to come down to how the coaching staff and the players react to the adversity that is going to come for them this season but coming out of camp it looks like they're definitely moving in the right direction to actually get this franchise going for the first time in a very very long time yeah so looking positive for Cleveland like we said not a winning season necessarily but like a big improvement and a step in the right direction which is Something we've probably been waiting for quite some time to see from that franchise. Uh, in the neutral camp this time around, we've got the Dallas Cowboys, who had a fairly okay camp, and then Tony Romo broke his back again. Uh, so he's out for at least uh, six to eight weeks uh, of the regular season, isn't he? Uh, so everyone aboard the Dax Press got a hype train, I suppose. That's uh, up for Harambe. That's it. <laughs> Dax out for Harambe. Yeah, so they like they look good. Dax has looked very good in the preseason. Uh, now, obviously, that's preseason. You're not getting the types of looks from defenses that normally will throw off rookies. So it'll be interesting to see how he handles that uh, in, in, in a real game situation. Their uh, their new running back Elliott's looked excellent uh, behind what is probably still the best line in the league. Uh, so it's one of those moments where I think they're going to be able to rely heavily on their run game. They've got superstar wide receivers like Bryant and stuff there, so they're going to be able to give him options that are much simpler than I need to find a specific hole in this defence he'll more be looking at I just need to see if Des Bryant is open otherwise I'll give it to the running back so he can be more of a caretaker role but we'll see what happens there it'll be interesting if they do particularly well what will happen when Romo comes back um, the defence has looked okay uh, like Overall, it it looks like it's a fairly okay camp for Dallas. Obviously, they would much prefer to be going into the season with Romo, but yeah, yeah. like like the thing is, like they had a terrible off season, especially on the defense. So I think in the preseason um, and in camps, they were just looking to kind of can we solidify like the, what our identity on, on defense is. But more importantly, right now, there you have genuine hope that they've managed to solve the perpetual Cowboys quandary, which is can we do we actually can we get just someone who can play when Tony Romo is injured. And Dak Prescott 
like there's a lot of hope there right now. We'll see if that comes to fruition or not. But the very fact that there is hope about that is something which is a major positive in Dallas. Mm. And I think that offense, there's no reason that that offense can't put up a significant amount of points every game with that offensive line, with Ezekiel Elliott, with Des Bryant. Considering how badly the offseason went, that's like I think that's why it was probably a good camp. I think Tony Roman going down is obviously going to be a bad thing, but the fact that that isn't a disaster for them because of how well Dak Prescott is is kind of why I ha- I would consider them kind of have yeah. weird camp. It's like it's, it's a very strange camp. It's definitely not the camp that they were expecting. But the fact that if they if you told them before camp started, Tony Roman was going to get injured during preseason, that they wouldn't basically be burning the whole place down, they would have you know probably laughed at you. But the way it looks right now, I think there are people still actually think they have a chance to to do some stuff, especially in a, what it continues to be a fairly weak NFC East. No, of course. Uh, what do you say, Harry? Yeah, I, I think that, that's fair. It has been very strange for them because they have lost probably their most important player, let's be honest. Uh, and it looks like they've sort of got a replacement. They've got a guy who looks like he can play a bit, who looks mm-hmm. like he will be better than the Brandon Whedons and so on that they've trotted out over the last that's few it. years. Like last year was a horror show. Now, they are still one injury away now from Mark Sanchez starting at quarterback, which yeah. is, is going to be interesting. What but a sweet pickup. <laughs> somebody, somebody had to do it. Um, I'm just disappointed it wasn't uh, Chip Kelly. Um, but yeah, like I mean, coming off where they were with the defense issues, like with with Randy Gregory, with uh, Rolando McLean, with Demarcus Lawrence, all of these just bad car, bad car, bad buzz sort of mm. surrounding it coming into camp, and then Romo going down. Uh, it looks like they were facing what potentially was going to be a really, really negative start to the season. But they've got hope; they've got something now to rally around and be like, "Yeah, this kid can play." We're going to be okay for the first few weeks until Romo comes back, and then presumably for the next few weeks, once Romo gets rushed back in week six and breaks whatever part of him again, uh, as happened last year. One of the other vertebrae. <laughs> yeah, or it's both his collarbones at once. It's one or the other. Like It is a little up in the air, though, because we don't know if Dak's going to be able to do it in the regular season. Like mm-hmm. Ronan says, it's a different situation. Now, he has shown that he's, you know, he's, he can deal well with pressure and. Um, he can move around well, place the ball accurately, good basic fundamental stuff, which is always what you want to see when you're like, we need to start a rookie backup. But again, when the situation changes, when it gets real, how much is that going to do for him? Probably more than you would get out of a lot of sort of rookie backup kind of things, but there's certainly so much you can do. So we'll see what happens with Dak. So in terms of bad camps, uh, obviously Minnesota is one that springs to mind immediately. They had a horrendous injury to Teddy Bridgewater in non-contact practice. Uh, he basically detached his leg from everything we're hearing. Dislocated knee, tore the entirety of the ACL. He's definitely out for the season and hopefully not more, but we'll see how that happens. They were looking good beforehand. Young wide receivers were betting in nicely. Adrian Peterson is obviously still Adrian Peterson. Uh, it looked like they were setting themselves up for a nice progression from last season when they made the playoffs and hopefully looking at a deeper run this time. They have since decided that their backup options were not good enough and traded a first and a fourth round pick to Philadelphia for Sam Bradford, which I believe worked out last night means Sam Bradford has currently cost four first round picks uh, and has yet to show anything worthy of one, I would say. Um, It's an interesting move, but I presume one that says they're aware that Adrian Peterson probably has a year or two left. They know it's a closing window and they want to try and make a run for it while they've still got it. I don't think he's going to be good enough to do that for them, but I understand why they weren't just going to throw it away as a lost year as such. Uh, I still think they have a chance to, to get into the playoffs, but my problem is that this was a team that was starting to open a window. Like I think like Peterson, incredibly important, but... What was happening was that defense was coming together. I think Mike Zimmer yeah. has done an amazing job putting together a young, incredibly effective defense. And now they've 
basically sold like their next next year's like uh, edition of talent just to basically keep this like open this window prematurely for me like this was a team that was set up to still continue to be in challenge in the league for like three four years going forward that like there's a potential like you know perennial contender there but now what they've done is they've traded for one of the most underwhelming quarterbacks in the league who continuously just disappoints for whatever team shows up for him and now they've done it in a way that's basically left them worse off going forward. Like, I think, like, this was a panic move from a team I didn't expect a panic move from. This was a team, right up to the Teddy Bridgewater in, in incident, that was probably one of the most boring teams in the preseason, had done effectively nothing. It was just like, they're, they're effective, we know what they got, they're yeah. not going to blow you away. I, I just really don't like this move, and I think it's the kind of move that if Sam Bradford starts sticking up the place... That's going to create some very negative vibes on that team very it's, quickly. It's okay; they'll just be able to trade him for another first round pick off someone else. Uh, <laughs> well, Harry, well, your tick. If Bradford does well, the situation actually gets worse because if they make, I think the tight the championship game. Oh god! That fourth round turns into a third round, and if somehow they make the Super Bowl, it turns into a second round. I don't know if they want to make the playoffs. To be honest with you, it is a really weird move, and the absolute goal of Philly to get a phone call saying, "Hey, uh, you know, we want to, we'll give you a first for Sam Bradford," and Philly to be like. And <laughs> the problem is, we, like, has Sam Bradford ever managed to play a full season? Like, there's a strong possibility he'll get injured at some point as well, given his mm. given his track record isn't very good in that regard. He's been slightly more robust recently um, yeah, than he was earlier in his career, but yeah, it's yeah, definitely some injury worry. You could end up with Sean Hill again after 12, 13 games. And then um, someone else after 14 games, yeah, Sean Hill will last about one game. very old. So it is a bit concerning, and yeah, I, I, I agree with Roland. This is a panic move, this is one that's mortgaging the future on a player they don't even think is going to lead them necessarily somewhere like clearly they have some confidence in it and they hope the defence can get it done and that Peterson can keep going but I just yeah I, I hate the move I think it's a result of just management being like right this was a season we were going to be a real contender now we're in a situation where we're not going to be we need to contend this season mm. and sort of making a move that might not even help them that much so yeah I think it's it's daft look it might work out you never know these things in football but I think it's more likely than not that a year or two down the line when the draft rolls around when they don't have those picks the Vikings are regretting this oh of course so I suppose the last one that we'll have a look at in depth uh, is your boys in New England Patriots they haven't had a great off season now they're missing Brady for the first four games obviously we've got John Lewis is down for at least two months Ninkovic is gone for a month or two uh, Vollmer uh you had uh, who was who was it that announced their own PED stuff? That was Ninkovic. That was Ninkovic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then you also so pot roast is gone. Uh, there was the chap you traded who failed his medical. Yes, um, yeah. It's not not exactly been a f- stellar off season. It's been a mess. Chris Hogan gives you hope, right? Yeah, Chris Hogan looks decent. Chris Hogan looks 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 like he'll be he'll be a good addition to the team. But uh, yeah, like losing a pass catching losing her pass catching back for two months is a disaster. Uh, Ninkovic being initially injured then like oh he's actually going to come back quicker and then basically announcing himself that he'd been done for um, I'm going to come back quicker because all these drugs really helped my recovery yeah pretty much like, <laughs> especially after the Chandler Jones trade of course yeah well not not great I mean we do have still have guys like Jabal Sherd but there's still issues there now with the, where the pass rush is going to go yeah also have Vollmer down then uh, we saw Solder pick up an injury in the fourth week of preseason now yeah. it doesn't look too bad but we don't really have confirmation on what that's going to be so if he's not playing, that's just down our starting pair of tackles, which is never good because then we're rolling out like Marcus Cannon and Ladrian Waddle and stuff like that, and that's not really what you want. Like the Giants' um, third and fourth stringers killed our first string O line in the fourth preseason game, which is extremely concerning. And Garoppolo 
looks like ass right now. He does. He panics in the pocket. He locks in his receivers. He doesn't go through his reads. Basic. Go Garoppolo. Yeah, basic quarterbacking things. He's just not good at them, and he's going to come under pressure with that O line. Mm. And I'm sincerely concerned that the Arizona Cardinals are actually just going to kill him in Week One. Like, could happen. It's yeah. It's quite. It's quite concerning. So this idea of oh, you know. Yeah, look, the schedule wasn't too bad for the first four weeks, but coming out into it, I'm like, oh, I don't know how many games we're going to be able to win here because the roster is depleted, because the guy we're relying on to hold down the fort doesn't look ready at all. I don't know where we go, even when Brady comes back, unless we can sort out the problems on the O-line that have arisen during camp, and unless we can have solidity, not just at the tackle positions where the injuries are, but also at a, at a right guard and left guard where we're not really 100% sure who the starters are going to be even at this stage. It's it's worrying. I think the defensive stuff is is frustrating, but I think we'll manage. Like we've seen guys look decent, and we know that we still have very talented players, and like Collins and Hightower and Belichick tends to be able to get the best out of linebackers and defensive ends. Uh, so I wouldn't be too concerned about that. But offensively, yeah, I, I'm not loving how this looks. And like the thing is, like a team like New England, it's it's almost the opposite of the good camps we looked at. Like the difference between a good camp and a bad camp is like you know going through as a wild come well, on, probably even wild card, but like. Going out in like getting a buy or not? Yeah, going out in the wild card round or getting a first round buy and going to the Super Bowl. It would be a brave man to say the New England won't make the playoffs, but it wouldn't be a brave man to say that based on everything that's happened in the in the preseason and the way that the first four games could possibly go and dropping like maybe two, three, even maybe possibly the full set, probably not. That's the kind of difference that you could see that like New England won't be a major Super Bowl challenger this year. They'll end up petering out earlier than than they usually would, mm. and I think for them that's the definition of a bad camp. This is just the kind of things that just will lead to that. Oh, of course, and even Tom Brady looked a bit rusty in his in his showcase in preseason game four, and like. That's a pretty bad harbinger for any uh, New England camp. Yeah, so hopefully now it gets better. Like, it'll all be fine. If it's not working out well, Belichick will just sacrifice some children or something. <laughs> it'll all work out. Cause it, is, it is, when we're at our lowest, we must cheat our most hardest. Uh, I'll fly through a couple of other injuries, because, uh, like, if it's not me, if there's anything you want to talk about on these guys. Uh, Scott, Houston have Martin out for the season, and Watt is probably not going to make it for week one. Uh, like... Clownies look good, so I think they're still going to look okay on defense there, so it'll be relatively fine. Ben Watson, Kenneth Dixon out for Baltimore, one for season, one for six weeks. The only issue with that is that the, you know it's a bad uh, precursor to what happened last year. It's yeah, like, that's true. Are we going to have the same issues again? <laughs> Vontae David's out for one or two months for Indianapolis, and so is Mewhort, who sounds like an evolution of a Pokemon. <laughs> uh, he's out for about a month. He was their starting left guard, but mm. this is Indianapolis, so that doesn't mean much. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Reggie Ragland, the uh, rookie for Buffalo, is injured for the season. It would be the entire Bills defense. Bodily integrity, you guys. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Shaw got his leg destroyed by a recently cut lineman of the Chiefs in the third preseason game, and uh, Oliver, the back for San Diego, is out for the season as well. Like, is there any of the cuts in particular you guys want to talk about? Obviously, there was one or two surprise ones. Green Bay cuts sitting there, three-time like All-Pro uh, guard. Yeah, uh, so the, the regular. It was a money thing, I think, because he was costing six and a half million. Or yeah, something. it's still strange though to do it at this point. Like, yeah, obviously Aaron Rodgers is the harpy of that team, and you know, putting him at risk seems a bit uh, stupid. You know, <laughs> like penny wise, pound foolish kind of thing, right there. So like six and a half million isn't that much. Yeah, it's a weird one. Like guards don't generate a lot of you know like news headlines, or whatever, but. This yeah. is a genuine surprise to yeah. see Cush. Maybe there's something, like he is 30 now, maybe there's something we're not seeing from camp, like yeah. the level of play was declining, but this is seems out mm. of the blue. To and there's no ready-made replacement is the main thing. Um, like, Browner 
returned to the Legion of Boom and then was cut from the Legion of Boom. Yeah. Uh, just was he just drawing a shitload of flags again? No, like like they they hyped up this like specialized tight end safety role. It never really materialized in the preseason, so it just kind of sounds like he never really adapted quickly enough. And then they're like on a similar theme in Seattle, they cut Jerry Evans, who was a you know all pro guard who they signed uh, early in early in camp. And he didn't make a thing. But like Seattle has a, has a history of signing these kind of veterans and then cutting them uh, during thing. There's the whole like former first round pick section. Quinton Copel's got cut by LA. Uh, he was originally the Jets. That's right. Yeah. Um, Matt Elam was cut by Baltimore. He was actually drafted by Baltimore. You have uh, D. Milner cut by New York Jets. Finally. Uh, Bjorn mm. Werner. And then obviously Mingo was, was, was traded away by, by Cleveland, but it's kind of in the same area. Like a lot of former Rust first round picks end up not being as good as you think. In terms of the contract stuff, like most of it you've already heard. Fitz is back with New York Jets. Tavon Austin got extended. T Rod was re upped. Like most of them there. Eric Berry signed his tender, so that didn't get done. Uh, Bosa ended his, his holdout with San Diego. So most most of this is kind of probably older news because, like I said, we, we were on holiday there for a good month or so. So fuck yous if you're annoyed. <laughs> get your news elsewhere. Um, suspensions, then. No, no, don't get your news elsewhere. <laughs> get your news elsewhere when we're on holiday, right? <laughs> Uh, Lev Bell's down to three instead of four games. The wife beater Josh Brown uh, got one game because he's a kicker and no one gives a shit about him. Uh, fucking NFL, show some, f- show some fucking consistency at least. Uh, Lane Johnson, ten games for PD. Way worse than beating your wife. Ten times worse. Yeah, ten times worse. <laughs> uh, Marcel Darius, four games for substance abuse. And Josh Gordon, as we mentioned earlier, is back, uh, but he's missing the first four weeks because uh, he loves drugs. Yeah, like I think that's most of it. Like the trades and stuff we kind of talked about already. Uh, Mingo's now in New England. Uh, he looks, he looks decent. Looking decent enough. Uh, Shocking, taking another Cleveland failure and turning him into a good player. Lots of other churn players like Curly and Cromarty and uh, players. Who Carolina are, swapped punters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like was, Cleveland realized they didn't have a punter anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and there'll, there'll be more like action like this during the week, but yeah. very little will be of any consequence. Yeah, so, do you know what the best thing about the end of the news about preseason is? It's a start time to start talking about actual football and what's going to happen it's very brilliant uh, we kind of got a bit of a preview yesterday because we kind of we, we got to watch live football yesterday and it was very nice uh, so we decided we're going to give out uh, our awards for the upcoming season uh, it's called premature congratulations <laughs> we'll say uh, looking forward to it uh, rookie of the year uh, let me guess Harry let me guess who you got well it's written down on the paper in front of you, so I, know. I think you know. But yeah, I actually tried to nominate to Jay Sharp for every single award, and uh, Connor wouldn't let me. Yeah, um, he's not a long snapper. He's going to be the best long snapper, best two-way player, best head coach. No, look, genuinely, I think this kid is electric, um, and I think he's going to reinvigorate what has been a fairly mediocre to bad Titans passing attack. Tennessee have had so many like guys who are going to be the thing, like the Dryle Green Beckham, Justin Hunter, guys like that. In Sharp, they have a guy who legitimately looks like he can do pretty much everything you need him to do as a wide receiver. He, When he was in college, he led the NCAA in catches, which is actually probably the most significant one for a college wide receiver, because you know, quarterbacks are bad and wide receivers are bad in college, mm. right? Especially, so, especially at UMass, yeah? Yeah, yeah well, yeah, true. Yeah. I, I gen- so I genuinely we, we, we've heard have... this conversation like six separate times <laughs> from Harry. <laughs> so we're all sitting here I think he's genuinely going to make a huge, huge difference to that team, and I think we're, he's going to put up a really, really good numbers for a rookie. And because of the difference he will make to that Tennessee team, I think he's my pick for Rookie of the Year. Uh, what are your self-fits? I'll go for the boring pick, Zeke Elliott. Like, there's... Yeah. Uh, he pretty much goes without saying, awesome offensive line, uh, Des Bryant to take some pressure off, mm. and incredibly talented. 
Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with another Tennessee player. Sitter and going for the running back. I think uh, Derek Henry looks great. Uh, I, I think the thing that's going to go against him is I don't think he's going to get the workload he should for the first couple of weeks. Uh, but I think they're going to figure out fairly quickly. One, he's going to be used in the fourth quarter to just roll over tired defences. But then they're going to start giving him more and more work. So I'm going to go with him. Uh, MVP for the season. I've got Carson Palmer taking MVP uh, after a great season where he brings them to victory. Uh, Fitz, you've got... I went for David Johnson. It was a bit of a surprise because obviously this is almost seen as a quarterback award and we're not really going to cover offensive player to work because that's a fake award. Um, but like David Johnson looked amazing last year. I think he's going to have an amazing year this year. And I think like Palmer's going to drop off a little bit. Well, personally, I think Palmer's going to drop off a little bit. I think David Johnson's going to make up more of that load and it's going to push these team all the way to at least the NFC Championship, probably no. to the Super Bowl. Fair enough. And yourself? I have Tom Brady. Tom Brady's going to come back in week five. He's going to go Super Saiyan on the league, and that'll be the end of that. Oh, good. Yeah, the poor fucking Browns in week <laughs> yeah, five. Like. Right. Uh, defensive rookie of the year. Uh, I've gone Chris Jones, the uh, second round pick from the Chiefs. They're going to be back to back defensive rookie of the year. He looked class in all the preseason. Uh, was not just the highest ranked rookie at his position, he was the highest ranked player at his position for the entirety of the preseason and looked very strong. Uh, Fitz? I went for Joey Boza, controversial pick, of course, because he <laughs> held out for most of camp. But I think this means like, he's going to be fresh. He hasn't tired himself out in the preseason. Like I think that, like the Chargers' defense actually looks kind of good, and I think it's kind of got that narrative effect that if he plays well, people will notice and they will pick up on it pretty quickly. I think a lot of this, like a lot of these awards, end up coming down to more or less who gets noticed. I think Joey Bosa is the kind of player who, if he plays well, gets enough sacks, mm. like gets like near ten sacks or whatever, he will mm. be a very strong candidate to be awarded this yeah that's that's my one concern with Jones is like a, a 3-4 DE doesn't really get all that much uh, like column inches uh, yourself Harry uh, I've taken a match probably boring pick to match Phil's boring pick for the other uh, which is Jalen Ramsey I think he's an incredibly talented player I think he's probably the only talented player on his team's backfield in Jacksonville <laughs> so I think he's definitely going to stand out and we're going to see mm. some flash from him that's going to give him that edge in terms of like Ronan talks about getting noticed so the chap that they had the first round picked that got injured last year is he vi- viable for rookie choices this year because no, he didn't no. actually play poor fella he missed out something fierce red shirt player yeah. <laughs> red shirt player of the year that's it yeah. comeback player of the year Harry uh, I have got Keenan Allen. I think he's going to put up monster numbers. We saw him on course to break records in San Diego last season before he got hurt. I think he's going to continue in that kind of form, break team records, possibly looking at catch number records as well. He's just going to have a monster year. Uh, I'm, I'm, when I'm looking through this, I'm like, we're, we're a bit more bullish on the Chargers than I thought we were. But uh, it's, uh, Individually, as a team, they're going to suck. Yeah. <laughs> what about yourself, Ronan? I'm, I'm taking a controversial pick here. Colin Kaepernick coming back from... A combination of playing for San Francisco, playing Gabbert, and racism. <laughs> Truly, there is no more narrative more powerful than that in the modern America. Uh, so even I think if he play, I think playing Gabbert will get dropped after a few weeks. He'll play. They won't be amazing, but he'll show us enough that uh, people are like Colin Gabbert. Yeah. Let's do that. Mm. Uh, I've, I've gone for a boring pick, Jamal Charles, coming back after the ACL injury. Uh, my only concern with him is that given how well the other backs played, they're probably going to split the workload a bit more, so we might not be able to see the, the level of production that he did previously. Uh, come on their back player of the year, the worst DB in the league. I've gone with Josh Norman. <laughs> I think uh, he's going to fail horribly because he's now playing with racists uh, and he doesn't have the support of that Carolina defense around him so I think he's going to be shown to be like he'll probably be good but I think there's going to be a stark difference between how he plays and how he gets paid uh, so that's why I've got him down there 
it's really worst defensive package you've heard of. So I've gone with Byron Maxwell, uh, traded over to Miami. I think that Miami defense is going to be terrible, despite all that talent up front. And then Byron Maxwell is going to get exposed again. Uh, yeah, just like he was in Philly. Yeah, I've gone with uh, Joe Hayden. Uh, I think Joe Hayden has been a very talented player in the past, but I think he's just broken now. And he's got the one thing the Browns have that trouble with is still in the backfield. And I think he's got nobody near him. He's got no support. And he's going to find himself getting basically crushed by AJ Green again. Mm. Best long snapper. Uh, I've gone with Bo Brinkley because I like his name. I've gone for Nate Boyer, uh, who isn't currently on any team, but he did help solve racism in conjunction with Colin Kaepernick. I think that's worth a uh, best long snapper award. Mm. Anyone can long snap, but can you solve long snap racism out of the field? Well, I've gone with LP Ladiser of the Dallas Cowboys because while anyone can long snap, nobody can have an entire career like he has having never botched a snap. I have strong opinions about long snappers, such along the lines of doing the one thing you have to do well is the only thing that matters and he's the best at that thing well, so the funny, therefore the funny thing about long snappers is that they get into like four years and then they get then they're due the minimum venom and then that's basically too much for a long snapper so they end up getting cut by year four <laughs> interesting long snapper facts at the yeah, end mm. we'll learn something good so next up, we've got the Brandon Browner Memorial Most Flags Award. Uh, this is for who's going to draw the most flags or what will be the most flags this year. Uh, I'm going to go with July 12th in the north. Uh, <laughs> for our non-Irish listeners, that is when all the prods go out uh, adventuring with the Orangemen and uh, flying flags. Uh, yourself, Ronan? Uh, I'm going for ineligible Andy Reid challenge flags. <laughs> it's a pretty solid bet. Uh, Andy Reid is a master of the ineligible challenge flag. Uh, you know... Sometimes you shouldn't challenge things. Andy Reid does not believe in those rules. Sometimes Andy Reid will reject your rules and he will flag your rules. Sometimes Colin Kaepernick of coaching. <laughs> Sometimes I think he's got you know those uh, magicians just in the stars. like like they know he'll use all his challenge flags like but I brought my own from home. Uh, yourself, Harry. I have a relatively serious answer to this, which is the entire Bills O line because they are just a flag machine and Rex Ryan does not understand the meaning of the word discipline. That's true. Uh, I, w- I will say uh, this award will probably go to Brandon Browner if he catches on with another <laughs> team. Uh, actually, just yeah, you looked up his stats on this. It yeah, was Brandon Browner had the most. He had I think two hundred and seven penalty yards of accepted penalties against him. Uh, the next most player had one hundred and thirty-seven. <laughs> he was not good. Uh, our next award, the Sanchez, the most embarrassing moment award. Uh, so, what did you go for this, Ronan? When Colin Kaepernick actually defeats racism and the NFL looks so foolish. <laughs> <laughs> what about yourself, Harry? Um, Eddie Lacy uh, appears on The Biggest Loser USA and loses. Oh, fair <laughs> enough. So that's an interesting one because if you're the if you lose on The Biggest Loser, is that winning? No, <laughs> that means you're so funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Have you seen him in preseason? He's oh. like waddling through defenses. Yeah. It's, it, he's fat. Like this whole storyline of him like cutting a load of weight in the offseason, he's clearly put it back on because he looks like a fucking lineman. Uh, my most embarrassing moment award is going to be uh, when Brady comes back. He like s- slow start, like first two games, not great, and the Pats fans are calling for Garoppolo to come back in. Uh, that's what my most embarrassing moment is going to be. Uh, the Jamarcus Award for biggest hype train crash. Uh, similarly enough, I've gone for Jimmy G. Uh, <laughs> what about yourself, Harry? Uh, I've gone for Dak Prescott because, like, the hype he's got, whatever he does, mm. unless he wins the Super Bowl and MVP, he's going to fail. Mm, that's true. And yourself? And I have the Jacksonville defense. Uh, there was a lot of hype in the off season it's kind of t- turned on a little bit now but I think 
lots of exciting games in Jacksonville, but probably not a lot of uh, defensive shutouts uh, coming this year. Mm. We've got uh, Keeping the Homeless Warm, the Dumpster Fire of the Year award. Uh, I'm going with the Dolphins because there's going to be a hot mess. I'm going with Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> uh, I, I feel a lot of faith in Jimmy Garoppolo in the room. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but uh, yeah, I don't think Jimmy is mm. going to do much, and uh, he will join the long line of failed Pats backups. Yeah, well, maybe so after we starting for Houston in a few years, then. Yeah. I was going to say like, after, <laughs> after week four, maybe they'll trade him to the Vikings, uh, and then you've gone for. Well, I always want to pick Cleveland because you know this is just emblematizes them, but I think this year Chicago are going to be a bigger dumpster fire. Mm. And I I just don't know what is going on with that team right now. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's it's a weird one to work out. Uh, We've got, uh, you like that? The worst quote of the year award. Uh, so this one, we have to predict a quote that someone is going to make and will catch on. Uh, so I've gone for, uh, I think, around week seven where Jerry Jones says, it's time to bring Johnny football home. Uh, yourself? I'm going for Pete Carroll saying, you know, that Harambe is a great competitor. And he struck down, the, you know, it's a shame that he was struck down by the FBI. <laughs> <laughs> In the blossom of his youth. Mm. And yourself, Harry? Well, I've got one that was a prediction when I wrote it, but it's actually already come to pass, which is that Chip Kelly is going to say Blaine Gabbard is our starting quarterback <laughs> because he's a racist. Yeah. So, on to slightly more serious ones, I suppose. Uh, our AFC champion, who's going to win the AFC? I've gone with Pittsburgh, because uh, I think that's going to be an offensive juggernaut. Uh, yourself, Harry? I've gone with Kansas City. Mm. I like that. I think everything's in place for them this year. Mm. I've gone with New England, primarily because when I thought of all the other teams who could compete with them, it's like all of them have had pretty bad off-season, mostly. Mm. Uh, NFC champions, I have Arizona. I have the homer pick, Seattle. Woo! I have the Carolina Panthers. Excellent. Uh, So in my uh, Super Bowl, it's Pittsburgh versus Arizona. I have Arizona coming out on top. Uh, You've got Harry? I have Carolina beating Kansas City. Excellent. I have the Seahawks getting revenge against New England. So, Yay. NFC sweep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and well, then, we always say that, and then the AFC wins. <laughs> <laughs> and then the breakout player of the year, uh, Harry, you've gone with... I've gone with Chris Hogan, uh, genuinely. I think he's going to fit in fantastically into our offense. Okay. I went for Jadavian Clowney. I think this year is the year he's going to turn into the monster we he's, all thought he could be. He's looked phenomenal in the games in the preseason. Uh, I've gone with my boy, Christine Michael. Oh, yeah. Mike. You know? Most now with left hand carrying ability. <laughs> <laughs> As I've always said, you know, it's only the best of the best to get to play for an NFL team and he got to play for four. So. <laughs> uh, and I suppose that brings us on to the most important thing of all. We've got our picks for the first week of the new season. So here we go, and we've been uh, joined by our special guest, our returning podcast guest, uh, Sean Butler. Hello. I'm here to be the everyman. (laughs) (laughs) So as we'll run through these, uh, on the ones we agree with, I'll just grab one of you to uh, to, kind of give us a line or two on why it's going to be the case, uh, like we used to do last season, and then on ones we disagree, we'll kind of have a bit of an argument about. So first game, Carolina at Denver. Uh, We've all taken Carolina across the board. Uh, Given that you have them winning the Super Bowl, Harry... uh, why do we all take Carolina over Denver? Cam Newton, Trevor Simeon. <laughs> That's it. That's fair enough. That's a good enough reason. Uh, the next game is Minnesota Tennessee. So uh, I've gone for Minnesota. Fitz, you've gone. Minnesota. Uh, Harry. Tennessee. And Sean's gone for. Titans as well. Excellent. I think this is going to be an interesting one. See, we picked these before uh, the leg fell off Tilly Bridgewater. Uh, but I'm still like. 
or my, 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 my stance of this is basically I think that defence is going to be good enough and it's still going to be betting in time for Tennessee and uh, you're full of shite about your uh, your, <laughs> your Tajay Sharp uh, he's going to get destroyed uh, why do you think uh, Tennessee and don't just say Tajay Sharp <laughs> God damn it I wish I Tajay Sharp no genuinely I think Tennessee are in a good place I think they're going to be coming into this um, with a good game plan they've been able to work on all season a uh, preseason. They know what they want to do here, whereas Minnesota are coming in, particularly now Bridgewater down, in a much more chaotic situation. They don't know what their situation at quarterback is going to be. They're presumably going to have to have changed what they want to do quite significantly. Tennessee are at home and are going to be in a position to get off to a good, strong start. They've got a much, much improved offense, and I think Minnesota are just going to be floundering for a few weeks trying to find their feet. Mm, fair enough. Uh, Fitz? Yeah, I pretty much disagree with that. I think Mike Zimmer's a good enough coach that uh, that shouldn't happen. Like, you know, I don't like the Sam Bradman route, obviously, as I've stated earlier, but I do think this is a good enough team with a good enough coach that they'll still be good. It was primarily about the leveraging of the future that I had an issue with. Um, so from that perspective, I think Minnesota just have more talent than Tennessee, especially on the defense. So I think that should be enough to push them over in this case. Mm. Yeah, I just think that the Sam Bradford is just not good at quarterback, and I'm beginning to buy into Harry's Tennessee hype train. <laughs> uh, I think they're going to change the way the football is played in the AFC. Yeah. Uh, That'll be interesting. Um, so that Hashtag was... Sean, Super Bowl pick. <laughs> Tennessee Titans all the way. Sean's lock of the week. Yeah. <laughs> Tennessee for the Super Bowl. Uh, next next game we've got is uh, Chicago and Houston. Uh, <laughs> I've gone Chicago. Harry's gone. Houston. Fitz. I've gone... <laughs> this game is so bad I've forgotten and I'm, I'm currently halfway around the desk but uh, Houston. I'm with Houston yeah. and uh, Sean you've uh, gone for the Bears yeah. fair enough uh, why Houston I suppose fits or Harry or whichever one he's not to. to to reprise something from a preseason episode we're all really 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 hungover and the Bears suck <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah like I'll, I'll finish up for Houston I think like I'm I think Bill O'Brien showed last year that this he, he can do good things with fairly limited things on offense mm. I think the things that they added were great and I think like I think like an underrated loss in terms of the injuries with Pernell McPhee for Chicago um, I think he was like a major part of mm. like, why their defense looked solid and I think like Chicago really needed that defense to step up to have a chance I think Houston are a sleeper pick for the AFC this year yeah see my problem is I think Brock Lobster is a pile of horseshit uh, I don't think he's going to be able to deliver the, so they've got a great wide receiver core there uh, and I don't think he's going to be able to utilise the, the stretching ability uh, I just don't Is he worse than Ryan Mallett slash and or Brian Hoyer? <laughs> <laughs> to be honest like their, their QB play at the tail end of last season was pretty decent they've shot the bed in the in the playoffs but like up to that point they were fine I do not trust Brock Lobster at all uh, is um, Yeah I think well firstly I think what is JJ Watt being injured hampers the Texans a bit and also Cutler does occasionally have good games mm-hmm. um, and it is much of a much less than sure why not yeah <laughs> <laughs> our next game uh, the Sadness Bowl uh, Cleveland at Philadelphia uh, I think three of us have gone for Philadelphia and Sean you've gone for uh, Cleveland I've gone for Cleveland because I think RG3 the wheels will eventually come off but he does have a tendency um, to showboat and play well when the, the cameras are on him and Philly are just a terrible Football yeah. team, so why not? Again, this is one I don't care a huge amount. I don't particularly want to watch this game. Uh, like, thankfully, we'll be watching Red Zone, so this will not be on. Uh, they'll just all play within the middle fucking thirty yards of the pitch. Uh, Keep an eye on those Jordan Matthew points. Yeah, uh, yeah. but um, ah, yeah, like Philadelphia. 
I just think I just think Cleveland have a lot of moving pieces at the moment and I'm not sure if they're going to have it all firing at 100% in the first game uh, I do think if this was later on the season I'd probably be taking Cleveland but for the opening game maybe Philly uh, Sean's luck number two <laughs> Terrell Pryor 150 yards <laughs> yeah this is pretty much this is pretty much a coin flip game between two teams that are in a mess one trending upwards and one trending downwards but not quite clear if they've reached the point of crossing each other yet uh, I think for me, if Josh Gordon was back, I'd probably swing towards Cleveland. Yeah. But without that weapon, I would give uh, give the edge to Philly, being the home team and being perhaps a little more secure in what they have right now. Next game we've got is Buffalo at Baltimore. I've gone for Buffalo, and the rest of you have gone for Baltimore. Yeah, uh, justify that. Eh, Buffalo should be a bit of crack. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I Baltimore's had its problems with crack in the past. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what we're going to get out of Baltimore. Uh, like last year, they were just everyone was injured. Like we played that game from like week six onwards. Who can name a wide receiver uh, who's playing for Baltimore? Uh, I don't know what we're going to see to them. But like, I just, I just, as we said before in our previews, like I don't think they have an identity. I think they've got an aging roster. I think they don't have the young pieces they need to succeed. I don't like Buffalo either, but like they've got Tyrod Taylor, they've got interesting pieces. Uh, I think they've got enough to win what will be a low-scoring game. I actually think that all things being equal, Buffalo are a better team, but given the injury crisis that has affected Buffalo's defense, I think it's going to be very difficult for them to win against a team in Baltimore who are able to offensively just grind out yards Mm. and move the ball effectively and cleanly yeah, I think yes. Yeah, and it's just like I think I think this one is in reputation because Baltimore have the coaching, have the front office, have yeah. have the like have shown in the past that they can get the best out of players. Well, Buffalo, but do you know what they don't have? They don't have the two Rex Ryan, the two Ryan, Ryan brothers. brothers. Yeah, that's probably a good <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> I think that was the point I was just about to make. <laughs> like I think everyone expects that Baltimore should be solid. Like I think the deficiency in talent means that they'll probably go eight and eight or maybe nine and seven. But I think. Assuming that the injuries aren't as catastrophic as last year, you've got to think they're going to win games. And Buffalo, you know, with the injury crisis, just aren't the team that I see beating a good to average team. Cool, cool. Anything you'll add? No. Fair enough. <laughs> San Diego at Kansas City. We've all taken Kansas City across the board. Uh, yeah. Obviously. Despite hyping up the Chargers for the entirety of this. Well, podcast. no, we said, we, we, we said, like we said, we like two or three of their players, but as a team, they're a hot mess. Um, yeah, like I like the Chargers. I think they're going to be better this year than like they have been previously. But like like you say, they're always one injury away. They don't have depth, uh, and I just I think the Chiefs team are pretty well stacked at the moment, uh, and they should be able to get it done. Oakland at New Orleans. Uh, I've taken Oakland. Fitz, you've taken New Orleans. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm all Fitz just keeps looking in, going. I guess I did, uh, and then the other, the rest of us have taken Oakland as well. So why New Orleans? I suppose. Yeah, well, like I think, like in the preseason, honestly, I think it's more of an Oakland thing. In the preseason, um, when I was looking at Oakland, like a lot of the things that we thought would come together in the off season don't seem to have come together. I'm just a little, I've gone a little bit off the ball of them. I think New Orleans, despite all their issues, are still going to be incredibly uh, explosive on offense, and I think. If that defense does not live up to its hype and it has 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 struggles coming together, I think New Orleans could end up winning a shootout in this case. Fair enough, Harry. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not as down on Oakland as you are, uh, to be honest with you. I think that's the difference. Uh, obviously, New Orleans as well losing their rookie who was meant to anchor the defensive line is is going to be an issue there. 
and their defense is still a mess. Yeah, obviously they always have Breeze. He always gives you a chance to win, and they've got some uh, nice weapons there with you know obviously Brandon Cooks and uh, Michael Thomas as well, the rookie on offense. But we're still you know New Orleans is still relying on a defense that isn't good, doesn't really seem to have improved, bar the removal of Rob Ryan. But talent wise, I'm Brandon Browner, yeah, <laughs> <Brandon, I'm laughs> but talent wise, it's still a talent poor defense. So I think they're going to Oakland are just going to be able to overwhelm them. Yeah, I'm similar enough to Harry. Like it's just Oakland have been drafting well, putting together a good roster. I've got faith in what they're doing there, and like I say, this hating the Raiders, but like I I think they're quite good, uh, and I don't think New Orleans are quite good. I think they are quite poor. <laughs> yeah, I mean Oakland's young, talented team, and you imagine it is going to come together at some point. And my every man half reading of NFL articles <laughs> is that they are due to be good this year. So that's why why I picked them. Uh, so next game is Tampa Bay at Atlanta. I've gone with Tampa Bay. Fitz, you've gone. Tampa Bay? Nope. nope. No. <laughs> you can swap to Tampa Bay if you want. No, no. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Harry's got Tampa Bay and Sean's gone Atlanta. So, Sean, why Atlanta? Uh, the Bucks are really terrible. And uh, I really like Matt Bryan, despite the fact that he's not quite as good as he's supposed to be. But yeah, I have faith in his ability to, to rise again. Um, so, oh, fair enough. Hey, uh, the South will rise again, eh, Sean? <laughs> <laughs> I've gone with Tampa Bay because I still don't like what I'm seeing from Atlanta so far. I think that they're they haven't quite figured out what they're doing, particularly defensively. Um, and I think Tampa Bay are a young, exciting team. I don't think they're as bad as they as they used to be. Um, I think James Winston, as much as I hate the man, he's a horrible little probable alleged rapist. Uh, has shown real talent for playing the game. They've got good receivers. They've got a great running game. Like I just out. I don't see how Atlanta have moved on from there. Force it to Julio Jones in triple coverage every time we're more than six yards away. Uh, I think Carl Shanahan is an idiot, and I think that basically makes a difference here. Fair enough. I, I think the Atlanta start seasons well. <laughs> yeah. Was it six and zero last yeah. year, and then lost nine of the remaining ten? I think. I like. I think this will be. A close game. I think this is the kind of game where both teams are kind of in that middle average zone that a lot of teams are in. But like, I'm going to give it a shade to Atlanta A because they're at home, but and you know they'll have the advantage of the mm. pumped in music <laughs> and, and, and crowd noise. But also, like I think, I think Dan Quinn, like obviously I, I kind of rate him coming from the Seahawks, but I think that this defense should be able to step up enough to make that offense. Mm. Uh, have enough to win a few more games this year. Yeah, like it'll be interesting. My 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 problem is always with Atlanta. I just like they in th- in theory on paper they should be good because like you know they've got decent receivers, decent quarterback, but they always seem to fuck it up. Uh, so I just don't trust them at all anymore, and will pretty much consistently expect them to underperform now. So uh, yeah, so that's why I'm going with. Uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, we've got Cincinnati. The Jets next. Uh, we've all taken Cincinnati across the board. Fitz, do you know? Yeah, like I think the Jets are the kind of team that could sneak into the playoffs by beating teams that are worse than them. But Cincinnati are better than them. I think Cincinnati might have a few struggles because they're missing offensive pieces. But I think they should still have enough, particularly on the defense, to keep that New York Jets offense in check. I think especially like Fitzpatrick losing, missing camp might have more of an effect than we expect. We've got Green Bay at uh, Jacksonville. We've taken Green Bay across the board. Uh, Harry? Yeah, I think it's pretty straightforward. Like Jacksonville are a promising team who look like they're moving in the right direction. Green Bay are a very, very good team mm. who are better than Jacksonville and really, really should beat them pretty much in all facets of the game at this point. No, of course. Uh, Miami at Seattle. We've all taken Seattle. Um, yeah, let's just say Miami. I, I expect Miami to be fighting for the first overall pick. Uh 
they are a garbage team full of garbage people. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, and also like Florida looks like a penis on the edge of uh, on the edge of America. So oh, that's, there, there go there goes that's fun. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Seattle, also, yeah, Seattle are just a good team. I mean, you're not. Uh, that's that's kind of it. Uh, we've got Giants at Dallas. Uh, we've all taken Dallas except for Sean. He's going for the Giants. Uh, yeah, this is based more on the my belief that Dallas are just notorious for destroying themselves, um, and I think being reliant on a, on inexperience in both quarterback and running back is something that's going to take a few weeks to, to bed in at the very least. Um, yeah, just the fact that the Cowboys are just they just. Yeah, they're just a team that that constantly, constantly, constantly destroys themselves. Yeah, like for me, the reason I pick um, Dallas is that like I know like Dallas had a bad off season in terms of injuries and stuff like that, but New York Giants had a terrible off like a terrible preseason. They looked really, really bad. Mm. Now Odell Beckham Jr. still looks really good, but everything else, including all their fancy defensive pieces, look really bad, and I expect that to continue into the real season as well. So, so what you're saying is firing Tom Coughlin didn't fix all of their problems? Yeah, none of you keep everything else. <laughs> any of their problems, yeah. <laughs> it's like, we'll fire Tom Coughlin, a Super Bowl winning coach, and then replace nothing else. Yeah. Solid plan. Yeah, like I said, like, just Dallas, probably the best line in the league. They've got probably the most promising uh, first-year running back. Uh, and Dak Prescott seemed that he was good enough to keep them going I just don't like this Giants roster I don't think they fixed the problems they had yeah I mean firstly my Dak is Alpha Harambe but <laughs> secondly there is nothing that inspires confidence about the New York Giants right now like the, their roster is just on fire and running around screaming like I do not know what is going on Odell is going to look good Eli Manning is still fine but Beyond that, it's just, Jesus. Like they can't run the ball, they can't tackle, they can't. The defense backs can't cover. I, I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, Detroit at Indianapolis. Uh, I've gone Indianapolis. Fitz has gone Indianapolis. Just in case you can't see the spreadsheet, there, Fitz. Uh, Harry, you've gone Detroit. Uh, ooh. <laughs> and Sean's gone Indianapolis. Uh, I suppose why Detroit? This is a vote of a lack of confidence in Indianapolis more than anything else. Mm. Um, like yeah okay they had some exceptionally poor luck last season save it there save it there yeah boom but uh, yeah we haven't really seen how he's coming back the O-line once again is an injury riddled mess Mm. the defense is pretty much the same as it ever was we're all being told that uh, Moncrief and Phil Dorsett are going to step up again we haven't really seen that that much like they're both fine uh, whereas you know Detroit actually I don't think are in as bad a situation as they could be generally speaking they've had a quiet off season they've been pretty solid uh, in terms of what they want to do Matt Stafford can still win games against bad defences and mm. Indianapolis has a bad defence so I think this is the sort of game that plays quite well for Detroit because they're taking on an opponent that's I think less secure and less stable than even they are right now I yeah, my, my, I just generally kind of look and go I look at Detroit's roster I look at Indianapolis' roster I don't like either roster but I prefer Indianapolis's strong points to Detroit's strong points uh Again, two teams that I don't think are going to factor heavily later on in the season. Uh, but yeah, like again, also not a not a game I'm particularly interested in watching. Um, but yeah, just Indianapolis on that basis for me. Yeah, just Andrew Luck is a good quarterback and form is temporary and class is permanent, and he will mm. eventually, I think, do enough. Uh, yeah, Andrew Luck is probably the X factor in this game. These are two very average to below average teams, and I think. Yeah, I think in those cases, the best quarterback often wins. So, mm. give it to Indy. 
Fair enough. New England at Arizona. We've gone uh, Arizona across the board. Harry, seeing as it's your boys. Yeah, well, Sean's boys too. Uh, yeah. But yeah, look. Jimmy oh, Garoppolo. we're going to him after. Oh, right. <laughs> very, very good. It's simple as this to me. Arizona are a good team. A team that we would have a decent chance of winning against with a full strength team, but but not even then. I wouldn't be confident, in particularly playing on the road with Jimmy Garoppolo under center against that defense. You really have to be worried behind an injury riddled O line. You really have to be worried with God knows what's happening in the running game with no security mm. blanket to dump it off to. You really have to worry about what's going to happen here, and I think not only are we going to lose, I think it's going to take a really good performance from our defense to stop this from being ugly because I think our offense is going to really, really struggle in this one. Yeah, uh, yeah. I just think in the in the four Bradeless games, I think two and two is what New England should be aiming for, and I think Arizona is the uh, Arizona on the road is the toughest of the four, and I just don't think they're going to have enough there. Um, I think one thing is it might be a surprisingly low-scoring game. Yeah. Arizona have had times where they've kind of just played to the opponent yeah, rather than played in to, their own heads. To, to be fair, our defence does look good. It yeah. does. It's looked very um, nice. Particularly if Palmer is, is struggling, you know, coming back and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be an issue, but I still think that just, again, I'm I, I'm more scared for Garoppolo against Arizona's defence than I am for Palmer against our defence, even though our defence is looking good. Yeah, of course. Uh, next game is Pittsburgh at the Washington Mazungus. Uh <laughs> The <laughs> no, look it up. <laughs> I was I, I, when we had our break. I was in Africa, uh, down in Africa. They have a term for white people. It's called mazungu. So all the kids are run up and be like, "Look, it's a mazungu!" Ah, and then run away. Uh, so now, rather than just the Washington pale faces, they are now the Washington mazungus. Uh, but yeah, so we're taking so we're taking Connor's adventures and postcolonialism. That's it. Taking Pittsburgh across. Oh, actually, when I was down there, there was one that I saw that I think the listeners would appreciate. I saw so you know like the the sports clothes get donated and stuff end up down there, right? Uh, some guy was wearing uh, an Eli Manning Chargers jersey. <laughs> I was just, I, I wanted to buy it off him. <laughs> I was like, this is amazing. That's the kind of thing you could sell on eBay. Yeah, for a lot of money. But um, yeah, so we've taken Pittsburgh across the across the board in this one. Um, like my general stance is Washington are garbage. Uh, Pittsburgh are probably going to be the highest scoring offense in the league this year. I think they'll actually be a bit closer than that. I think Washington had a fairly solid off-season and pre-season, but I think Pittsburgh do have enough talent to overcome them. I think the, the wheels might come off the Cousins hype train this this year a bit, but I still think Washington have enough solid pieces that they should be in the running to win the NFC East. Oh yeah, well, but like, you can even <laughs> win that with six wins. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like While Pittsburgh is the start of the season and most of their players are still somewhat healthy, uh, they, should, they should have... <laughs> or suspended for drugs. Well, yes, they have a few players suspended as well, but like... They're probably better at the end, at the beginning of the season than at the end of the season simply because Pittsburgh has that tendency to lose players towards the end of the season. Like the one concern here is that Pittsburgh do have a tendency to play down to their opposition. Yeah. But realistically, particularly with Washington having nothing resembling a run game, mm. you'd think Pittsburgh would have enough to Rob take Rob Kelly hype! Yeah, that's just Fantasy you. tip of the week! <laughs> uh, no, to Jay Sharp, fantasy tip of the week every week. No, that's, uh, that's from like four weeks ago. Every week. <laughs> uh. Yeah, no, I'm just like, against the Mizungus because I think Karma, they, they deserve Mizungus. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty bad because you've got like, the racists and the rapists, yeah. and it's, like, allegedly, and mm. it's like, fuck. You know? Yeah, one, see, the, the thing is the, the Mizungus are proven racists. <laughs> 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 Alleged rapists. <laughs> 
Uh, we've got uh, LA at San Francisco, the Garbage Bowl. Your first Monday garbage night. Garbage Bowl 3. Yeah. Your first Monday night football game. Oh, really, oh. really kicking uh, off with a. Well, no, no, it's, it's, it's the Garbage Bowl because the Cleveland and Philly one is the Sadness Bowl. <laughs> well, yeah. Twice I think. So we've got, uh, yeah, I've gone LA. You've gone LA, Sean's gone 49ers, and you've gone LA. Yeah. This is not a game I want to watch. I might actively just say, can we record it on the Monday before the game <laughs> so we don't have to discuss it? <laughs> well, this has been a game that's been consistently bad for about two seasons now. Mm. And it's, it's weird, because San Francisco, like their defense always suspiciously like steps up for this game just mm. to make it as low-scoring and terrible <laughs> as possible. <laughs> um, but like, I suppose in terms of my prediction, like the main thing I'm, I'm probably boosting on is uh, Todd Gurley yeah. going over that defense but as I said like there's been this weird thing with 49 will boost up their defense but I think yeah Blaine Gavers mm. Vance McDonald uh, who's there who did the Jeremy Curley these are all these are all players, <laughs> <laughs> players. yeah they, so, they just picked up uh, fantasy uh, fantasy darling uh, Rod Streeter off us so uh, yeah. it's going to be turn it up <laughs> Yeah, like I think Fitz <laughs> the is, bench. I think Fitz is completely right on this one. Uh, Gurley's the X factor. It is the Rams, so they might lose because that's what they do—just yeah. turn up and play like shit. God, but I save those wins for the Seahawks. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But uh, like they should have enough in a battle between two, like one good defense, one not so good defense, two bad quarterbacks, and a really, really, really good running back. You th- you'd give the edge to yeah. the Rams just for Gurley. Uh, you've gone for the Yeah, I don't really know what my motivation was uh, I just don't like the Rams uh, as a thing that's fair um, and yeah I mean that's fair brah that's fair <laughs> <laughs> maybe the whole racism thing will unite the 49ers together under adversity or some crap I think uh, we should probably know. add like a coin flip character for <laughs> LA predictions <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the coin says mm. win oh it's landed on its edge <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it didn't flip over multiple times. <laughs> take it. Uh, that would be the full rotation. Yeah, it just it, it gives them seven wins and nine losses <laughs> every single time. It's just a statistical anomaly. Um, seven and nine bullshit. Yeah, so that's the uh, that's the first week of games. So that should be good fun. I'm gonna have to pick a few of these now. And slap on the old accumulator as always. Uh, see how that goes. They pull. You got you got one in before they pulled the uh, the Minnesota I line. The Titans at plus three and a half before they pulled the line. Like is in not even before Bridgewater got injured. Yeah, I got the Titans at plus three and a half, and then they obviously pulled the line when he did. And I'm like, yeah, they're pretty good about that. <laughs> Cincinnati at minus two. Yeah. Non-contact injury, Harry. You putting bets on? I don't know. Like you can make your own conclusions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Harry is made of jet fuel. <laughs> <laughs> Steal knees. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, but yeah, so that was good. Any cracking yourselves, any lads? What's the plan for the week? Yeah, unfortunately, we're <laughs> back to real life. Working yeah. for the yeah. work. You know that thing you don't do because you work for the government. Yeah, <laughs> work on my fantasy team at work mostly. Uh, yeah, I'm really pissed off. They, uh, I, so I can open NFL.com and work, but I cannot open any of my fantasy teams. <laughs> Because uh, I'm guessing it's some kind of like legacy stuff in the clients that uh, that won't run, oh. but uh, but yeah, so like I can I can log in and then it just won't let me edit my fantasy team, so my fantasy teams are gonna fall off a cliff this year. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, such a good. I've got I'm in the last week of uh, my current role, uh, swapping job and work, so it'll be fun. And Sean is uh, Sean is also starting yeah, a I'm job. starting a lecturing thing, so I have many readings of subjects that I will be teaching next week, which is great. Mm. Well, not. Starting the 12th, so, yeah. I suppose next week in, in one sense. 
Um, so yeah, I got I have a lot of studying to do, which is great. Having just finished a PhD, that's exactly what I'm looking <laughs> forward to. <laughs> it's more oh, reading up stuff. Would you recommend a P- doing PhD, Sean? Uh, oh, that's a good question. I would recommend doing the first two years of PhD, but just don't bother doing the last two years. <laughs> oh, also man. Also the Masters. Uh, <laughs> good God. But uh, no, it should be fun. And then, uh, are you taking a bit of time off to watch all the games? Uh, I am, yeah, next weekend. Uh, so four days of work, and then I'm off uh, for three days to, uh, yeah, get my fill of NFL. Oh, really? Got to take Tuesday off to take in that LA San Francisco <laughs> action. Uh, <laughs> I might just not want to go to work on Tuesday. <laughs> Apparently, there's a man who stayed up to watch a fucking week four preseason oh, game. see Tom Brady. Yeah, uh, <laughs> just like I still, I like I know he's a competitive guy and he wants to. Fuck like, that! I just wanted to stare deeply into his eyes. Uh, <laughs> but like, I just, I just don't get why he'd like. Oh no, put me in this fourth fucking preseason game. Because well, the only logic I can see behind it is that if you want to assess the talent of your fringe players, the best way to do that is to do it with Tom Brady and not with some scrub who can't throw the football. Yeah, but then, but like you saw the the hit on Connor, the the Connor Shaw, Connor Shaw the like that's what happens whenever you have like untrained linemen and stuff delivering hits, trying to make the team I'm for not, their. I'm team. not saying it was a good idea. I'm just saying that's why it might have happened. I'm pretty sure if anyone had brushed Tom Brady, it would have been Tom uh, Brady got roughing the passer. Tom Brady got creamed two or three times in that game. Ah. <laughs> Mm, cream Brady. <laughs> <laughs> that was all photoshopped in. Keep uh, Carol over here, man. <laughs> I can tell this is a shop from my experience of many shops. Some of the pixels, you know. Uh, oh, I'm not saying the paths of good, you know, good experience of recording things. <laughs> oh, but yeah, guys. So I suppose this is the start of our new season. Uh, obviously, we'll be putting out weekly ones from this point onwards, as always. Uh, down on a down on a Thursday, normally I think we'll get them out for is uh, our normal time Thursday night slash Friday morning, depending on what time zone you're in uh, that's just our way of like oh fuck we're tired we'll put it out on Friday <laughs> um, but uh, yeah so obviously you can get us on Facebook on Twitter on all those kind of things send us questions uh, please make them smart ones not stupid ones uh, well actually send stupid ones we did have some good crack at answering some of uh, Kean's terrible questions <laughs> before uh, was, what was the one about uh, why did the Lions get so much worse when Tony Romo got injured yeah <laughs> we're just like oh, dependent causality <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good stuff about the nature of reality <coughs> on that one, I think. But no, uh, so it should be good. So obviously, hit us up. Uh, we'll be here every week. Uh, yeah. So bye from myself. Bye from Harry. Goodbye. Bye from Ronan. Bye. Bye from Sean. Bye. It's been great chatting with you again. Uh, yeah. See you next week. Get hyped. <laughs> Pro Bowl hype. <laughs> oh god damn it. <laughs>